If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Chapter 14 of The Tree of Appomattox. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kenneth Sargent Gagan. The Tree of Appomattox by Joseph A. Altscheller. Chapter 14. The Mountain Sharpshooter. Colonel Winchester's own mellow whistle finally recalled his men as he did not wish them to become scattered among the mountains in pursuit of the detached guerrillas. Although the escape of both Slade and Skelly was a great disappointment, the victory, nevertheless, was complete. The two leaders could not rally the brigade force again because it had ceased to exist. Nearly half, caught between the jaws of the Union vice, had fallen, and most of the others were taken. Perhaps not more than fifty had got away, and they would be lucky if they were not captured by the mountaineers. Dick's head was bound up hastily, but skillfully, by Sergeant Whitley and Shepard. Slade's bullet had merely cut under the hair a little, and the bandage stopped the flow of blood. The sting, too, left, or in his triumph he did not notice it. His elation, in truth, was great, as he succeeded in carrying out the hardest part of a difficult and delicate operation. As he led his men back toward the valley, their prisoners driven before them, he felt no weariness from his great exertions, and both his head and his feet were light. At the rim of the valley, Colonel Winchester met him, shook his hand with great heartiness, and congratulated him on his success. And Warner and Pennington, who were wholly without envy, added their own praise. "'I think we'll be Captain Mason before long,' said Warner. "'Lots of boys under twenty are captains, and some are even colonels.' Your right to promotion is a mathematical certainty, and I can demonstrate it with numerous formula from my little algebra book, which even now is in the inside pocket of my tunic. Don't draw out the algebra book, exclaimed Pennington. We take your word for it, of course. I shouldn't want to be a captain, said Dick sincerely, unless you fellows became captains, too. Further talk was interrupted by the necessity for care in making the steep descent into the valley where the fires were blazing anew from the fresh wood, which the young soldiers in their triumph had thrown upon the coals. Nor did Colonel Winchester and his senior officers make any effort to restrain them, knowing that little exultation was good for youth after deeds well done. It was still snowing lazily, but the flames from a dozen big fires filled the valley with light and warmth, and illuminated the sullen faces of the captives. They were a sinister lot. 
arrayed in faded Union or Confederate uniforms, the refuse of highlands and lowlands gathered together for robbery and murder under the protecting shadow of war. Their hair was long and unkempt, their faces unshaven and dirty, and they watched their captors with the restless, evasive eyes of guilt. They were herded into the center of the valley, and Colonel Winchester did not hesitate to bind the arms of the most evil-looking. "'What are you going to do with us?' asked one bold, black-brown villain. "'I'm going to take you to General Sheridan,' replied the colonel. "'I'm glad I don't have the responsibility of deciding your fate.' But I think very likely that he'll hang some of you, and that all of you richly deserve it. The man muttered savage oaths under his breath, and the colonel added, Meanwhile, you'll be surrounded by at least fifty guards with rifles of the latest style, rifles that can shoot very fast, and they are instructed to use them if you make the slightest sign of an attempt to escape. I warn you that they will obey with eagerness. The man ceased his mutterings, and... He and the other captives cowered by the fire, as if their blood had suddenly grown so thin that they must almost touch the coals to secure warmth. Then Colonel Winchester ordered the cooks to prepare food and coffee again for his troops, who had done so well, while a surgeon, with amateur but competent assistance, attended to the injured. While they ate and drank and basked in the heat, the mountaineer Reed came again to Colonel Winchester. Dick, who was standing by, observed his air of deep satisfaction, and he wondered again at the curious mixture of mountain character, its strong religious strain, mingled with its merciless hate of foe. He knew that much of Reed's great content came from his slaying of two traitors, but he did not feel that he had a right, at such a time, to question the man's motives and actions. Colonel, said Reed, it's lucky that my men brought along plenty of axes, and that your men is well in his mind know how to use them. Why so, Mr. Reed? Because it's growing warmer. Oh, that doesn't hurt us. We're certainly not asking for more cold. Will hurt us if we don't take some shelter again it. It's snowing now, Colonel, and if it gets a little warmer it'll turn to rain. And it can rain powerful hard here in these mountains. Thank you for calling my attention to it, Mr. Reed. I can't afford to have the troops soaked by winter rains, not knowing what we had to expect in the mountains. Fortunately, ordered about twenty of my men to bring axes at their saddle-bows. We'll put them all at work. In a few minutes, thirty good axemen were cutting down trees, saplings, and bushes, and more than a hundred others were strengthening the lean-tos, thatching roots, and making crude but serviceable floors. Dick, owing to a slight wound, but much against his own wish, was ordered into the house, where he spread his blanket near a window. Although he could not yet sleep, all the heat of the battle and, and the pursuit not yet having left him, his nerves still tingling with excitement, stood at the window and looked out. He saw the great fire blazing, and many persons passing and repassing before the red glow. He saw the captives crouching together, and the red gleam on the bayonets of the men who guarded them. He saw Warner and Pendleton go into one of the lean-tos. He saw Colonel Winchester, accompanied by Sherbert and the sergeant, go down to the valley toward the exit. After a while, the prisoners moved to the lean-to, and then everybody took shelter. The crackle of the big fires changed to a hiss, and more smoke arose from them. 
The reason was obvious. The big flakes of snow had ceased to fall, and big drops of rain were falling in their place. Reed had been a true prophet, and he had not given his warning too soon. The rain increased. Dick heard it driving on the window panes and beating on the roof. All the fires in the valley were out now, and rising mist and vapors hid nearly everything. The faint sliding sound of more snowfalls, precipitated by the rain, came to his ears. He realized suddenly how fine a thing it was to be inside four walls, and with it came a great feeling of comfort. It was the same feeling that he had known often in childhood when he lay in his bed and heard the storm beat against the house. There were others in the room. The floor was almost covered with them, but all of them were asleep, and Dick, wrapping himself in his blanket, joined them. The last thing that he remembered being the swish of rain against the glass. He slept heavily and was not awakened until nearly noon, when he saw through the window a world entirely changed. The rain had melted only a portion of the snow, and when it ceased after sunrise, the day had turned much colder, freezing everything hard and tight. The surface of the valley's slopes and ridges was covered with a thick armor of ice, smooth as glass, and giving back the rays of a brilliant sun in color as vivid and varied as those of a rainbow. Every tree and bush to the last little twig was sheathed also in silver, and along the slopes the forest of dwarf cedars and pines were a vast field of delicate and complex tracery. It was a glittering and beautiful world, a cold and merciless. Dick saw at once that the whole force, captors and captured, were shut in for the time. It was impossible for horses to advance over a field of ice, and it was too difficult even for men to be considered seriously. There was nothing to do but remain in the valley until circumstances allowed them to move and reflection told them they would not lose much by it. They had done the errand on which they were sent, and there was little work left in the great valley itself. The big fires had been lighted again, the cove furnishing wood enough for many days, and with its limited area they brought back glow and cheeriness. Dick went outside and found all the men in high spirits. They expected to be held there until a thaw came, but— there would be no difficulty except to attain forage for the horses, which they must dig from under the snow or which some of the surest-footed mountaineers must bring over the ridge. He heard that Colonel Winchester was already making arrangements with Reed, and he was too light-hearted to bother himself any more about it. Warner and Pennington saluted him with bows as coming captain and declared that he looked extremely interesting with a white bandage around his head. "'It's merely to prevent bleeding,' said Dick. "'The bullet didn't really hurt me, and it won't leave a scar under the hair. "'Then since you're not even an invalid,' said Pennington, "'come on and take your bath. "'The boys have broken the ice for a long distance on the creek, "'and all of us, our early risers, have gone there for a plunge and a short swim. "'It'll do you a world of good, Dick, but don't stay in too long. "'Not over half an hour,' said Werner. "'Oh, a quarter of an hour will be long enough,' said Pennington.' "'But I advise you to rub yourself down thoroughly, Dick.' "'Well, I'll do just that,' laughed Dick. "'I'll go to the edge of the creek, look at it, "'and shiver when I see how cold its waters are. "'Then I'll kneel down on the bank, bathe my face, and come away.' "'You've estimated him correctly, Dick,' said Werner. 
Uh, you don't have to share. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.